Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be with you again today. Let me just try to get my microphone squared away here. All right. Well, look, a couple of quick announcements, and then we're going to get into the word because we we spent yesterday about, well, well, we did get into the word yesterday, but the day before, I, I spent my time completely and totally on um, the issues of the day, uh, namely this, this guy who's now been arrested, Frank James, who's now been arrested, uh, looks like he's going to be charged with an act of terrorism, and he should be. Uh, I could tongue-in-cheek say is what I've been thinking. Well, why are we arresting him? After all, he's only a black victim, right? I mean... It's not his fault. It's society's fault. Because America is such a racist country, a white supremacist. Why are we, why are we, I mean, why are we punishing him? We ought to be punished, right? We the people ought to be punished. Not, not this, not this nice guy who's just kind of, you know, kind of an innocent victim. Oh, well, okay, he shot a few people, but eh. I mean, because really that's the attitude the left has. They're silent right now. They're not saying anything about it. But if you pr- if you press Black Lives Matter, that's what they'd say. He's a victim. He's a victim of white supremacy. And yet we're, we're told that the biggest threat to our country right now internally is white supremacy. I, where? Where is it? I'm not saying there aren't people out there with that attitude, but where's this big threat? The first person that they, they arrested and charged um, with uh, in the in the insurrection, so-called, has been acquitted of all charges. And to quote the judge, give me here, folks. I'm having a little bit of, of an issue with my microphone. To quote the judge, um, the judge said something to the effect: "There was no." significant or serious behavior or something to that effect. Like it was really no big deal. He said, because it was clear that the doors were open for him to walk in. And when he walked in, he did nothing. He just looked around and he was acquitted of all charges and sent home. That's the big insurrection. Now I'm not saying there aren't people who did some wrong things in there. I'm not saying that. But all this talk about the insurrection, like the country was almost overthrown. I mean, that's just, that's just stupid talk by the left. And here again, I've always said those who broke the law should be punished. But what's happening right now, in my view, is not punishment. It is persecution. I mean, holding people in jail, incommunicado, solitary confinement, all this stuff. I mean, murderers don't get treated like that. And the only person murdered was murdered by this cop who shot this woman in the face. This veteran shot her in the face. She was unarmed. She posed no threat. Yes, she was trying to come through, but others had been let in and she gets shot in the face and he acts like he's done some kind of a heroic thing. And you and I know that had it been a white cop that shot a black woman trying to come through the cap into the Capitol who was unarmed, you we would still be hearing about it. Oh, they'd be putting statues up of the woman. Oh, she's a hero. She's another victim of, of racism, blah, 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 blah. This innocent woman, this innocent veteran 
who, yeah, maybe she shouldn't have been coming into the Capitol, but she certainly wasn't threatening to kill anybody. She certainly wasn't a threat to anybody's well-being. She didn't, she didn't have a gun. She didn't have a knife. She didn't have anything on her. And she got shot in the face dead. This, this politicization of our criminal justice system has got to stop. To tell you the truth, in my view, it is not black folks who are being persecuted by our criminal justice system because they're in a, many of the black criminals, very small percentage of the black community, they're in a revolving door system where almost no matter what they do, they're back out on the street within, in record time, almost no matter what they do. But if you are on the wrong side politically, ho, 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 look, if Hunter Biden's last name was Hunter Trump, if he were Hunter Trump, he'd already be in jail. I guarantee he'd already be in jail. Or if he were, if he was, was any, represented any kind of conservative politics or conservative family, he'd be locked up by now. And I, I'm not sure that they're ever going to put him in jail. They're talking about a potential indictment now, and maybe some enterprising prosecutor who realized that this guy sold the country out will prosecute him and then ultimately prosecute his father too because he needs to be prosecuted as well. Joe Biden does. As far as I'm concerned, that trip to China where Hunter Biden flew to China with his father and they ended up with no progress whatsoever on the islands that China's building in the South China Sea, which are a threat to navigable waters, to, 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 to the peaceful navigation of international waters because they're building these islands and then extending their territorial waters to try to keep ships from being able to to, to sail those waters, that's a threat to our national security. It's a threat to our, our national economy and our international trade. And he was supposed to go there and deal with that. He came away with nothing. But his son came away with a $1.5 billion investment deal. Now look, you and I don't have to be economists and we don't have to be high-level diplomats to, to connect the dots. Nothing for America, plenty for the Biden family. Now, let's just repeat that so that it's quite clear. He goes to China. He flies to, on Air Force Two. His son, Hunter, is with him. He's supposed to be dealing with the Chinese on the issue of, and probably some other issues as well, but a major issue was these islands they're building in the South China Sea for their own strategic military and economic power and purposes. He comes away from that visit to China with nothing for our country, but Hunter Biden comes away with an ink deal 10 days later for $1.5 billion in investment and a deal with the Chinese bank to, to put a billion dollars into, into an investment fund for a man who has absolutely no background in investments, Hunter Biden. Now, what do you think that was? That was a payoff to Hunter and Joe and the, and the Biden family. So, our country is being sold out and what, I mean, they, they spent three years investigating Donald Trump for a telephone call and some alleged collusion. None of, neither of which turned out to be anything. Here we know that millions of dollars passed hands, changed hands and, and went through the fingers of Hunter Biden. And he always said, my family, when he was negotiating with these people, they have him in emails, my family, my family, my family. Who, who do you think he's talking about? 
Who's the patriarch of that family? The now president of the United States, then vice president, Joe Biden. So you see, our criminal justice system at this point is not persecuting black folks. It's persecuting people who are ideologically out of line with these George Soros prosecutors and these these leftists who have now populated the criminal justice system who want to put people like me and you away because they don't like the way we think. They don't like our biblical worldview. They don't like our Christian politics. They don't like our, 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 our seeing life through the lens of the word of God. They don't like that. Now, I'm not saying Trump was some kind of great Christian or is some kind of great Christian. I, I've been told by others who know him personally, which I don't, that he is a Christian, that he may be a baby Christian, he may be an immature Christian, but that he is a Christian will, uh, you know, ultimately the Lord knows that. But what I know is, what I know is this, he defended the First Amendment rights of Christians. He stood up against this far left lobby that is trying to turn our country into Sodom and Gomorrah and turn our country into some kind of socialist basket case. He stood up against them and that's why they hate him. That's why they hate him. And if it were one of his sons doing what Hunter Biden had done, I guarantee he'd be in jail already. He would be in jail. And there would be cries of treason. Because as far as I'm concerned, when you go to China to negotiate a deal for the United States of America to protect our national sovereignty, our ability to navigate international waters, our national security, and you walk away with nothing, but your son comes away with a $1.5 billion deal for you and your family, you have betrayed the United States of America. You betrayed our country. And if it had been a Trump child that had done that, you'd be hearing about treason. You'd be hearing about traitors. Because that's basically what they were calling Trump, like he was an asset of Vladimir Putin. I mean, it was just preposterous. On the one hand, he's got this giant outsized ego, they tell us, and that he's arrogant and that he's mean, this, that, and the other. But on the other hand, he's a sycophant for Vladimir Putin. We're supposed to believe that Vladimir Putin just mesmerized him. And he would have, yes, whatever you say, Vladimir, that's what I'll do. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I don't, I don't think Donald Trump has that attitude toward anybody. Not even, not even his allies, I think some will tell you. Them. Not even his allies who say, Mr. President, don't do this. He would do it anyway. I think sometimes he should have followed the advice of some of his allies. Uh, but that's another matter. So look, we have got a major problem with the criminal justice system in our country. We'll see what happens to this guy, Frank James. See what, see what, uh, we'll, we'll see. We will see. See if to the, the extent to which racial politics comes into play and Black Lives Matter starts rearing their ugly head and, and comparing him to other mass shooters and saying other mass shooters didn't get treated as harshly. I, I mean, I, I don't doubt it, folks, because they're, they're, they, they suffer from ROS, racial obsession syndrome. I said the American Psychological Association ought to talk to me so they can add that to their list of diagnosed mental diseases and deficiencies because that's one of them, racial obsession syndrome. That's all they think about. That's all they can see. That's all they know. But we Christians know the Bible says the flesh profits nothing. The spirit gives life.
and Jesus' words are spirit and they are life. Well, let me, let me not go off into that. I've already spent 15 minutes. Let me, let me say this to you and then I want to get to the word. Uh, as a result of the, the generosity of our sponsors for our Stand Awards dinner, we have a number of tickets to give away. And we're giving them away on a first-come, first-served basis to my friends, supporters, and listeners. Uh, so, if you want to go to the Stand Awards dinner on Tuesday, May the 17th, we will give two tickets per person. So, if you want to come and you want to bring someone, you can come as our guest. Okay? And those, these tickets are $150 a piece. So, they're, they're of some value. Uh, but you can come as our guest, up to two tickets per person, okay? We can't give away 10 tickets to one individual, but, but we'll give each person up to two tickets. Email me at ewjackson at ewjackson.com. Very simple. ewjackson at ewjackson.com. And just say in the subject line, complimentary tickets complimentary tickets. We'll know exactly what you're talking about. Now include your address, um, include your telephone number, your email, in other words, ways that we can be sure to be able to contact you because obviously we want to verify as we get close, if you get these complimentary tickets that you are coming because we've got to give account and we don't want to pay for meals that people aren't going to be there to eat. Okay. Uh, so with that being said, feel free. And it's going to be on a first-come, first-served basis, so I would encourage you to go ahead and because we just started this process yesterday, and so I, I my, my guess is that within a fairly short time, we're going to find a lot of those tickets gone. So I would encourage you to go ahead and reserve your tickets now so that we know you are, you are coming and you've got those tickets set aside for you uh, because once we run out, we'll just say, sorry, folks, we just don't have any more, okay? But right now, we've, we've got plenty, so... Feel free. Take advantage of it. Uh, that's May 17th, Tuesday, the Tyson's Corner uh, Marriott at, in uh, Tyson's Corner, Virginia. Go to our website, standamerica.us, to learn more about the event. And uh, it, it's, it's going to be a great, it's going to be an inspiring event. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to really enjoy it. And the last time uh, I talked to my friend Star Parker, you, some of you know, Star Parker was an honoree at the at the last one the last one we held was in 2019 then COVID got in the way and we couldn't do it for two years uh so we're back to doing it now we couldn't do it 2020 2021 so we're back we're going to pick it up in 2022 and do it every year from from this point forward but she she talked to us she said oh yeah i really enjoyed that it was really it was really uplifting and really inspiring so we're praying over it and believing god to do the same thing that you'll leave there charged up and ready to go and inspired with a smile on your face ready to be a happier warrior for the things of God and for the greatness of our country and, and, and preserving and defending our Constitution, all the things that make America the greatest nation in the history of mankind. All right. Oh, and this is Resurrection Sunday. For those of you in the area, I will be preaching at the Call Church, 943 Canal Drive, Chesapeake, Virginia. Um, service starts at 11 a.m., and it will be, uh, I will be live streaming at 1130. For those of you who can't get there, I'll be live streaming at 1130 for Resurrection Sunday. So please join us for our Resurrection Sunday service and sermon. Uh, it, uh, God has had something on my heart 
uh, for, for a while now that I'm praying and meditating over, and I, I really believe that God is going to bless you with what I have to say about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? We are opening a new book, First, uh, Second Thessalonians. And what I want to do to get, get us started, I'm going to read the entirety of chapter 1 because it's not very long, and then we're going to go back and unpack this verse by verse, okay? If necessary, phrase by phrase. But it opens, and, and by the way, you all know, I read from the New King James Version. There are many wonderful versions. I use when I'm studying and preparing. I sometimes use the Amplified. I'll sometimes use, I occasionally will use the Message Bible, which is not a translation, really. It's, it's a transinterpretation, I call it. Um, and, and there are some Bibles that are that. And that's fine. You just have to know that, know that it's not attempting to be a literal translation word for word of the Greek or the Hebrew, or the, uh, um, but it's, it's really trying to interpret for you and state for you what it thinks, what the translators think that that language implies, okay? That's a little bit different. The Amplified Version is, is, tries to be a literal translation of the words and tries to give you a fuller meaning of the Greek words. So it really is, the Amplified Bible really is a translation but of course, it doesn't read as smoothly as translations that are attempting to just give you the narrative in, in you know, clear, straightforward language. The Amplified is giving you parentheses and, and words and giving you extended meanings uh, to, to the Greek words. Because often, um, one Greek word might take a whole sentence in English to explain the ramifications of that word. In other words, there's no one word in English that necessarily or always corresponds to a Greek word or for that matter, a Hebrew word. So the Amplified tries to take that into account. All right, having said all that, let's go. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that word church, as you all know, same word that Jesus used in Mark chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 16, on this rock I will build my ecclesia, ecclesia. Now that word means my called out ones, my called out council. Remember that the word ecclesia, which we translate church, was a common word in the day, and it was used to uh, refer to governing bodies or groups of people who are responsible for making policy and implementing policy with regard to a particular group or area. So the Pharisees were in ecclesia, okay? The scribes were in ecclesia. Um, and you could, the, the Essenes, which the Bible doesn't talk about, but, but uh, 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 biblical scholars do, they were in ecclesia. In other words, they, they were groups called out to make decisions to implement policy for a particular group of people or geographic area. It was an official body. So Jesus, when he says on this rock, I will build my church, we tend to give emphasis to the word church because for us it's a unique word. But Jesus didn't use a unique word. And so the emphasis wouldn't have been on ecclesia, it would have been on my. On this rock I will build my ecclesia. In other words, others have their own ecclesias, 
but this is going to be mine. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against mine. They will prevail against all other ecclesias, but they will not prevail against my ecclesia. My called out one, my called out ones, my deliberative body, my authoritative body. It implies all of that. See, the church is supposed to be an authoritative body in the earth. We represent the Lord of glory. We represent the King of Kings. We're supposed to be an authoritative body. Remember, the Bible says that they marveled that Jesus taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Well, he's passed that authority on to us. Because the Bible says in John chapter 1, to them who received him gave he, now the, the translation power is in the, I think the old King James, I think the new King James translates it authority, but the word there is authority, uh, exousia. And it means authority. When, and some translations translate it right. Actually, I think the new King James translates it, gave them the right. But the word there is a, is, a, is a word that is generally translated authority. He gave them authority to become the sons of God. And that word become is even not, not the kind of passive verb that we think of in the English. That word is genomai. It's a, it's, a, it's a powerful word. It's a creative word. It gave them the power to be creative, to create, to be, to, to, to be created as, and to be creative as the sons of God. So that word church is power packed because it, it really, it really militates against the, the, the view of the church as a passive sort of laid back body that is living in its own little cocoon, talking its own language and speaking to itself and loving God and loving each other and having no, we don't get involved in that worldly stuff. But Jesus said, Father, I pray not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil. And when he said, take them out of the world, he was saying, I'm not praying, I'm not asking, Father, that you completely disconnect them from the world, but just disconnect them from the evil. We're supposed to be an active, potent force impacting the world around us. An ecclesia. So to the ecclesia of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord 
and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith and power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's come back then. So we talked about the church. I wanted to get that out there, the ecclesia. Then he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you know, I always say, the word grace is about more than salvation. Because otherwise, it would never be necessary to use it to talk about God giving you something more. When he says grace to you, well, if you're talking to the church, the church already has grace, right? But here's what he's talking about. There is more the Father has for you. There is more the Lord Jesus Christ has for you. There's more the Holy Spirit has for you. And you're going to receive that the same way you receive salvation by grace. Grace to you. Grace to you for healing. Grace to you for prosperity. Grace for you for impact. Grace for you for saving souls. Grace to you for solving problems. Grace to you for helping people. Whatever it is, the grace of God is how you access the power to get it done. You don't get it by your, your, your worthiness or your, your own inherent worthiness or, your, or earning it. You get it by God's grace. See, a, a lot of Christians get hung up on this and they think that what God has for them is only available to them if, and then you go ahead and add whatever, well, I've got to stop this and I've got to start that and I've got to do this and I can't do that. Well, look, you ought to stop doing anything that's against the will of God and you ought to be doing that which is God's plan for your life. You ought to do that anyway because you're saved. But that can't possibly be the basis for God blessing you <clears throat> once you are saved because if it were, since all of us fall short, practically on a daily basis in some way. I mean, it might not be big things, but, but Jesus said a wrong thought is a sin from God's perspective. So since we all fall short, we'd never be entitled to anything from God. There would always be some problem. There would all be some, well, Lord, as soon as I get this straightened out, I kicked the cat yesterday. I, I looked at the mailman wrong. I, you know what I mean? It's, but no, you receive it by grace. You receive it by grace. See, that is why you and I can look at people that God is using and say, how can God use that person? By grace? I'll tell you the truth. When Donald Trump first started running for office, there were a lot of Christians who said, and I was one of them, to other Christians, you're supporting him? I mean, Ted Cruz was running. Ted Cruz is a known Christian. I know Ted Cruz's father. I mean, I know Ted Cruz is a man. I really believe Ted Cruz knows and loves the Lord. He's not perfect either, of course, but I really believe that. Well, Donald Trump, huh? What? Donald Trump? I mean, sure, perfectly nice guy, but come on. I mean, here's a Christian with a proven track record, and here's a guy who, well, we just don't know. But God used Donald Trump mightily. 
And I ultimately came to see that. I mean, once he won the primary and I, I, I saw that God was using this man. Say, how in the world can God use somebody like Donald Trump? I mean, you know, people have their accusations of his life from the past. And, you know, I'm not, my attitude is this. Folks, somebody can go back in my past and, and make accusations against me. Because I, met, I messed up, particularly before I was saved and even a couple times after I was saved. So people can always find reasons to condemn you. They can always find reasons to judge you. And there's not a single one of us that's immune to that. Not a single one. The only one who's immune to that is Jesus, who said, which of you convicts me of sin? And you know what? Nobody, Lord, because <laughs> there is no sin to convict you of. But the rest of us have feet of clay. So if we expected God to only do us good when we are perfect, when we're not making any mistakes, when nothing's gone wrong, we had no shortcomings, we'd never get anything from the Lord. The Bible doesn't say, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and abradeth, uh, does not abrade, or in the old King James, abradeth not. Um, he said, and it shall be given him. But ask in faith, nothing doubting. There's the key. It doesn't say, make sure you're perfect. Make sure everything is right in your life. Make sure you didn't make any mistakes recently. And then you can ask and we'll see. Now it says, ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave driven of the wind and tossed. And let not that man, see, the man who's in doubt, think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. For he is, uh, uh, the, the Bible says, for he is uh, uh, unstable in all his ways. Uh, I believe that's in James chapter 1. But you can read it for yourself. I didn't quote it exactly, but that's, the, that's definitely the gist of it. Doesn't say anything about, well, make sure you're perfect. It's grace. Grace to you. And peace. And that word peace is shalom. In the Greek, it's the word Irene. In fact, if you know anybody named Irene, tell them they've got, the, they've got the Greek, their name is the Greek word for peace in the Bible, Irene, or Irene, uh, we Angloize it to say. But that's the word for peace, but it's taken from the Hebrew word, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. So it's not just saying, may you be at peace and feel good. Oh, yes, I'm at peace. My mind is at peace. It's more than that. It's nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking peace. It's, it's wholeness in every sense of the word. See, peace means your finances are in order, your body is healthy, your mind is, is, at, is, is at peace and in tranquility and in fulfillment. It means your relationships are in proper condition means you're not running around holding things against people and and uh and and angry and vengeful see this is this is this is the peace that god wants us to have doesn't it, and obviously it comes with a sort of inner peace a sense of i'm not in turmoil within i'm not you know my my insides raging because i'm upset and i'm worked up and i'm angry and i'm mad and i'm bitter 
I told you all yesterday, this guy who committed this act, I, before I even knew, I, yesterday or maybe the day before my radio program, but before I even knew anything about him, uh, I said that these things were related to the bitterness, the anger, the hatred that is being stoked by the left in our culture, trying to convince all black and minority people that white people are evil, white people are mean, all white people are racist, all white people are against you, America's white supremacist, America's white privilege, and da da da, all this stuff. And you sow that in the people, and you sow that in the people, and you sow that in the people. And what you do is you create a root of bitterness that then springs up and defiles many, which the Bible says don't do it. Don't let that happen. But that's exactly what's happened. And then the following day, they started revealing all his Facebook rants, calling white people all kinds of nasty names and threatening to shoot them all and kill them all and all of that. It's exactly what I said the day before without knowing anything about what he had posted on Facebook. There's no peace there. Because he's all stirred up on, on the inside because he's got all this hatred, frankly, hatred that has really been sown into him. He doesn't have any real basis for it. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Third verse, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. Now, there are two things. Well, there's several things being said, but I want to focus on two. Your faith grows exceedingly sad. That's why I do what I do. That's why I constantly tell you, you don't give up. You don't quit. You don't back down. Because faith overcomes everything. Faith overcomes everything. John chapter 4. This is the victory that overcomes the world. John chapter 1 John, forgive me. The first epistle of John. Uh, chapter 5. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. And the, my job as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to sow faith into you. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. But how shall they hear without a preacher? And that word Preacher there is a word that, and I taught about this not too long ago, is a word that means official herald. In other words, someone who is chosen and anointed by God to proclaim the gospel. You say, well, Bishop, anybody can proclaim the gospel. Yeah, any, anybody can proclaim it. But that particular word, how shall they hear without an official herald, implies that that proclamation has to be within the line of authority that God himself has established. That's how you get a bunch of outlaws out there preaching a whole bunch of nonsense because they weren't called and anointed by almighty God. They're not officially sanctioned by him. They're just doing their own thing. They're not submitted to anybody. They're not learning from anybody. They're not growing anybody. Look, when I first got saved and was just, I mean, just filled with excitement and zeal, just filled with it. I found out later when I came under my pastor, the Reverend Rafe Taylor, I found out later, well, I had a lot of things wrong. I did. I had a lot of things wrong. Now, I realized later, too, that in my humble opinion, the Baptist denomination had some things wrong, 
But that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Because, of course, I, I went charismatic because from the very big moment I was saved, I, I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the witness of speaking in other tongues. And then when I was told that, well, that's not real, I'm thinking, well, nobody had taught it to me. Nobody showed it to me. Nobody, I just, it, just, it just happened. So it's got to be real because I wasn't inculcated with it. I didn't grow up in a church where I was taught that that's what you do. So I couldn't reject it. It's like any more than I could reject the salvation that happened to me outside of church. But I had some things that were completely wrong, and my pastor had to straighten me out. I had a zeal, but it was not according to knowledge because I was reading the scripture myself and coming up with my own interpretations, and my pastor started showing me things. I realized, oh, wow, man, I, I didn't realize that. I didn't, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't. And it, 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 it settled me down. Why? Because my, fast, my, my pastor was an official herald of the word of God, and I was not. I was just all doing my own thing. I mean, I tried to do what was right. I love God. Just wanted everybody to know about Jesus. But I, I, I wasn't sanctioned by God to go out and become an official herald of the word of God. And that's why God placed me under a pastor who could teach me and show me what I was supposed to do. But, you know, everybody's got to do their own thing now. I mean, it's, and it's just created a mess in the church. You know, it's just, it, re it really has. Because, you know, you have unfruitful people making more unfruitful people. And you have messed up people making more messed up people. And it's not that we don't all have our faults, we do. It's not that we don't all have our foibles and our weaknesses, we do. But I really believe this. When God sanctions you to do a work, then the anointing he gives you prepares you to do that work and deals with whatever your deficiencies are. So that you, you create fruitful people rather than creating unfruitful people. And believe me, folks, that's not an easy task in today's, in today, this, this day and time when people don't really have very much respect for the authority of, of true ministers of the gospel. Even Christians, even Christians don't. I could, I could believe me, I could tell you stories going back 40 years. My wife gave me some of the, the, the greatest wisdom uh, practical wisdom that I've, I, I'd ever heard years and years ago. And one of the things we were realizing in ministry was that, you know, it, 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 it comes with the territory that people are going to break your heart. People are going to do, people are going to do what they want to do. Oh, they all mouth, you know, oh, Bishop Jackson, oh, Pastor so oh, oh, we love you. But I tell you what, when the rubber meets the road, it's the rare ones, the rare ones who are actually follow through and be there when you really need them. And, and most, that's just words. That's just stuff they say. And they may feel it at that moment, but, you know, next week it'll be different. <laughs> next month or next year, it'll be different. And my wife said this to me. She said, you know what? She said, we just have to use people for whatever they have to offer for as long as they offer it and not allow ourselves to get hung up on what they ultimately do. And I thought, wow, that, that's wisdom. Because instead of getting, you know, I've I met pastors, they get all bitter, they get angry, they get, you know, and this is, I'm not talking about the, the stuff like this guy, but just, just kind of resent 
and, and, and be very distrustful of people because they've been burned so many times. You know, people talk about the wrongs pastors do. They don't talk much about the wrongs that Christians, so-called, do to pastors. They don't talk about that. And some just get bitter and angry and they, you know, just uh, look, they, they are very insulated, very distrustful, very suspicious of people um, because they, they've just seen so much mess that they know that even people who claim to be Christians and seem to be all that in a bag of chips, as they say, watch them. So you have to really, and here again, I think this is part of the anointing that God gives you. When God really calls you, you get, you get, he gives you an anointing that allows that stuff to just roll off your back and you just keep blessing and, and loving people because you're going to have those people who are going to prove to be every bit the Christian in every situation and circumstance. You're going to, you're going to meet those people and then you're going to meet a lot of people who won't and will disappoint you in large ways, small ways, you know, who some, you're going to meet people who will keep their word no matter what. And you're people who do whatever they want to do, no matter what their word is. They don't, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care what they told you. So we need grace and peace and abundance of it. And it's an ongoing process. Okay. Um, and that says, we are bound to thank God for you always because your faith grows exceedingly, which is what we've been talking about. And the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. I'm going to stop there because that's a great place to stop because that's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. And that's why I think the Apostle Paul is so excited about the church at Thessalonica. He says, the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. See, the Bible says faith works by love. And where there's no love, you're not going to see much in the way of faith. But where there's true love, you're going to see faith. And by the way, I, I, I'll mention this to you as we close out. My church has a, has a prayer call every morning without fail, every morning. And there's no, there are no exceptions. Well, I take that back. There's one exception. And that is when we do the Martin Luther King Leadership Breakfast, we pray there because it starts so early that we really can't pray on the line at 7 o'clock. So we have our prayer at the, at the, 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 the event for whoever's there, we come together and pray there. But that's the only exception. We pay Christmas day, Thanksgiving day, the entire weekend, every Sunday morning, every Monday through Sunday, week in, week out, day in, day out. We pray. We've been doing that. My wife and I are still trying to figure out when we started it. We wish we had marked it down so we would know the exact date on which it started. But it's got to be 10 years, okay? It's got to be 10 years. Um, very close to it, if it's not 10. Very close to it. And you know, I only have a handful of people who joined that. I even have people who committed to do it and just stopped. I mean, made a commitment to do it and just, just stopped. They didn't say, well, Bishop Jackson, our life has changed. This is da-da-da-da. We can't. They just, they just stopped. Their word meant absolutely nothing. They didn't even think about it. Well, maybe they thought about it, but they didn't say anything about it. But you know what? God bless them. I, I bless the people who are on it because we've got some people who are consistent and persistent and determined to be on that prayer line. And I've said many times, I really believe that that prayer line is, is, is the lifeblood of the church. Because it's where daily we are praying for the ministry and praying for each other and praying for God's people. 
uh, coming together in agreement consistently. But you can't get most people to do it. Uh, I, don't, I don't like getting on the phone. Uh, I don't like, hey. <laughs> I mean, it, to me, it, it's such an easy thing to spend 20 minutes on, a, on, a, on the telephone praying with people. I mean, to, that's so much easier than getting up, getting dressed, driving to the church. And I used to do that, by the way, 5 o'clock in the morning. And I, I, had, I had people doing it. I know a guy out in Arkansas who does it every five o'clock every morning, same way we were doing it. And people got used to it. But, but you know what? It's always just a few. You be the few, okay? You be the few that steps out and, 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 and just digs in your heels and say, I'm determined to do this and I'm going to do it with excellence and I'm going to keep my word, and I'm going to follow God, and I'm going to love him. Now, look, you can't make him love you anymore. He loves you with an infinite love. It's not about trying to earn God's love or even earn God's favor. That's what grace is. He's already favored you. You know what it is? It's just living a life to try to please him because you love him. He already loves you, and you know that, but because you love him, and you want to express that love. As I, I, I got to go. I'm already a minute over. God bless each and every one of you. I hope you've enjoyed the word today. And look, you just stay in the fight, okay? Stay at it no matter what. You, you, you're you going to make mistakes and have problems and and do things that you look best. Man, that, that wasn't the right way to handle that. But you just pick up, dust yourself off, and get back at it. Correct whatever mistakes you made. Make good with people if you've done anything wrong to people. Try to resolve that issue and just go on in your walk with Jesus Christ. Don't quit. Don't back up. Don't back down. Like I told you all the stuff my wife and I have been through, never even thought about quitting. Never even thought about quitting. I'm with God for the rest of my life and for all of eternity. That's it. That's all. God bless you. We cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.